So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in to Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. He played 10 years in the NFL. I covered it for five. Now host a daily radio show you can listen to three to six every single day on the Team 980. All right, Logan. Uh, we got lots of news to talk about. Yep. And we kind of have uh, the emptying of the notebook, if you will. This is always one of my favorite things to do when I was on the beat. And I was out, I was out reporting. <laughs> and then I'd uh, come back and host a weekend show or, you know, host overtime over on the fan uh, and, and just kind of empty the notebook. Things I had, and, and we both have the, the notebooks to empty from the combine, talk a little bit more about the quarterback position, some of the edge guys, tight ends, linebackers, et cetera. But let's start off with the big news yesterday. Lamar Jackson gets the non-exclusive tag, which I find fascinating. Um, I actually really like this move from Baltimore's perspective. But then perhaps the more fascinating part of it is immediately like five, six teams, all the teams you'd expect to be in on Lamar Jackson say, hey, no, we're out on Lamar Jackson. What would you yeah. make of the, of the decision by Baltimore and then teams like Atlanta, Carolina being like, yeah, we're actually we're actually good on that. I mean, I'm not surprised really at all. I mean, I think maybe the most surprising one would be Atlanta, but I think just the contract structure is kind of wild at the moment. And I also think the fact that uh, your boy Anthony Richardson did a good job at the combine and, and all that stuff is going to be significant here. Like if this was a down year for quarterback, I think his market value would be significantly higher. But right now it looks like, you know, uh, Stroud, um, Young, Richardson, Levis are guys that all those teams you you mentioned, Carolina, Atlanta, will have a shot at one of them. And um, and so I think that's that's definitely playing a factor in here. I'm not saying that they're kind of putting all their eggs in that basket because I don't think Lamar around the league has the value that he does in Baltimore. So what I mean by that is I think Lamar is an excellent football player, but I think when you say I have to guarantee a contract to a quarterback who's been who's had health concerns over the last couple of years because of his play style and because of what makes him elite and great. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to be very leery of that. And so I think that's why you're seeing kind of everyone say, you know what, the price tag is a little bit too high for us. And, you know, we're going to go in a different direction with, with the quarterback spot. And I also think Atlanta, for example, like they are in a perfect spot. They're like right mid rebuild. They can probably survive with Desmond Ritter if they wanted to. 
in that offense and, you know, wait to find the next great quarterback. I think another thing that's important to kind of consider for some of these teams is that Caleb Williams is going to be available next year. And by all accounts, from all the stuff I've been reading, he's the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks. I've heard that comparison multiple times. So if that chip is on the table, you might say, hey, we'll stand pat and, you know, make our play next year for the generational, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck type of quarterback. So um, I think I think there's a lot of reasons why I'm not surprised by it. I think the the one at the top of the list, though, is Lamar's injury history and the fact that he wants the contract to be guaranteed and the fact you have to give up so much draft capital two firsts to get him out of there and guarantee a contract. I think that I think people need to understand that is a very steep asking price. It is. Um, the guarantees are obviously a big deal, but like, let's not forget what Denver gave up, for instance, for Russell Wilson last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Which is they gave up more. And like the price, two firsts for Lamar Jackson is not that much. It's the guaranteed um, contract. Right. And that's going to be the question now is now that Lamar has a little bit different of a market, right? He's going to have to take the best offer available, you would think. I mean, I guess there's a situation where he's like, I'll play out on this tag. That seems so incredibly stupid because he could get way more this year on a deal that's guaranteed for basically three years. The problem is he wants five guaranteed years. And I think that's an important distinction, right? Like people are like, oh, Kirk messed up the quarterback market. I got a comment like that yesterday. And it's like Kirk didn't really change the quarterback market that much. Kirk's deal, the one, first one he signed in Minnesota, was three years fully guaranteed. You want to know who else got three years fully guaranteed? Most other quarterbacks. Yeah. The difference is most quarterbacks also have a fourth and fifth year that are essentially team options because the teams are basically saying, hey, this is football. Guys get hurt. Things change quickly. We want to have control in exchange for giving you all of this guaranteed money. And in Lamar's case, if he were to get a market value deal – basically $200 million of guaranteed money. We want control over those last couple of years. You don't get to go out again in three years and, and, and hold us over the fire again. That's, that's the trade-off. That's how these contracts always work, but it's mm -hmm. three years of fully guaranteed money, which is why I've said Baltimore should always have gone seeing if they could meet in the middle. And this is what I would do if I was a team interested in Lamar is like, I'd try to go for four. I would try to say like, all right, we'll give you one extra year of guarantees. We're not going the full five. No way, no how. But we're considering how good you are. We'll go four, like four years, 200 million straight on the dot and see what you can do with that number. Um, is the team going to go there? Probably not, but we'll see. I, I do think it's worth pointing out, like Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in football and that seems to be getting almost lost in some of this. Mm -hmm. I understand why, um, because I also am someone who said, I don't think that I would have given Lamar. I certainly wouldn't give Lamar the contract he wants. Right. Um, but it is to me pretty stunning in a pretty bad NFC that a lot of these teams are out. And by the way, I kind of think that includes Washington. Like for sure. It, includes Washington. It's, it, it is kind of bizarre that in Ron Rivera's we need to win right now situation that a league MVP caliber quarterback is available. Granted it was 2019. It was a long time ago when he actually won it, but like his first couple of games last year, his first like quarter of the season last year was awesome. And Baltimore was right there with everybody else in the AFC, which is saying something because it was the AFC, but in a win now situation in the NFC, which I cannot say this strongly enough is not very good. 
The quarterback play specifically in this conference is bad. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr might have just signed with the Saints and become the second best quarterback in the conference. Sure. He's he's certainly top five. And he wasn't in and the Raiders were like good ridden see ya. He was the fourth best quarterback in his own division last year, and he's gonna be the fifth best quarterback in the conference at worst. That Washington is not pursuing Lamar. I'm not saying I don't get it. I'm not saying it's inherently the wrong decision, but to see how dramatically they've swung from we we are willing to give up a lot for Carson Wentz to we're not touching Lamar Jackson is kind of bananas. Well, I also think I think it's important to remember the context here a little bit. You know, like Carson Wentz was a third round trade, right? Trading a third round pick and twenty eight million dollars. The price mm-hmm. tag on this is drastically different. And but he's Lamar Jackson, and so, he was Carson Wentz. So so I'm going to say this. As much as you want to say Lamar is the MVP caliber player that he was in 2019, there's been a kind of a steady decline in his passing proficiency. And I think that's something that gets teams nervous. Combine that with his injury history. Combine that with the recent history of, you know, um, of the quarterback in Denver. Um, gosh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Like yeah. that decline of his career kind of, I know it's happening at different times, but he's coming into a kind of a declining period. You kind of say, is it worth the risk? So I think there's a little bit of buyer beware based on recent history. I think his um, his play, his play style, the type of offense you're going to need to put in, I think the per- that perception of what you need to do for him is probably pretty dramatic. Um, it's You can't run the offense that you brought Eric Bieniemy in to run if you bring him in. He's going to have to tailor an offense to Lamar, which is fine. And I also think it's um, it's tough negotiating with someone who's their own agent. I think that's a tough negotiation, period. There's no doubt that is having a huge, huge, huge effect on this process. And then I also think the fact that I really, you know, everyone mentions Kirk Cousins. I think the, the contract you look at and I think the contract Lamar is looking at is the Sean Watson's contract. And yes. that contract really screwed everything up. And when you when if I'm if I'm Lamar, I look at Deshaun's contract and I say, I have played better than him because I've actually played football the last two years. I've been more successful. I've been more impactful. And that's what he got. I, at a minimum, deserve that. So as much as people want to say that it's Kirk, it's really the Deshaun Watson contract, I think, that is more sure. impactful on this and is the one-to-one. So um, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's free agent, free agent quarterbacks are tough, period. Right. Because like, as we've seen in Washington, it's not, you get the same guy that was it with the last team, right? There's a learning process. There's a, how do you coach the guy? There's, it just, there's usually in my experience, just being around the NFL, there's a little bit of a drop off, you know, cause they're getting used to new things. One of the things that makes them great, Tom Brady, you know, even the Aaron Rodgers thing is that they've built up this great chemistry with the team there. And now they've got to reestablish that. And that, that can take some time. Look at Tom Brady when, when he went to Tampa Bay, how long it took him to kind of turn that ship around and they won the Super Bowl, So it worked out. But I also think that Tom Brady is an outlier and he's not, he's the exception rather than the rule. And so I think you're bringing Lamar in and I know he's an excellent football player, but there's a lot of risk associated with this, especially at the value that they have assigned to this two first round picks and 45, $200 million guaranteed. It's the guaranteed money. If that, if if there, if the wording on the, if the first two years were guaranteed and the last two, like you were talking about, I think that's. I think people will be more interested. But the two hundred million for a guy who gets hurt a lot, and you have to build an offense around him, it's it's just it's not worth the squeeze, in my opinion. I think that's what you're seeing here from these teams. Yeah. By the way, Brady did win the Super Bowl in the first year, but as you said, he's an, he's an no, outlier. No, but it but it took. Um, but I say like it took. You know, like the beginning of that season. 
was a sluggish sure. start because he's like getting used sure, to Sure, but he can turn it around by the end of the of yeah, year one. But also right. he's Tom Brady, yes. you know, he's coming in doing stuff that nobody else does. Um just just so, you know, kind of avoiding people in the comments being like, yeah. uh, what do you mean it took a long time? They won the Super Bowl in the first year. You can't win it any sooner. Um right. but like I hear you on on all that stuff. I just think the the narrative is swung so widely the other direction that it's it is kind of crazy to me. Someone should take a swing at him. Um, I don't think you have to. And here's the other thing: I don't think you like he can want the Deshaun Watson contract all he wants. He's not getting it, and neither is anybody else. Joe Burrow is not getting Deshaun Watson's contract because Deshaun Watson should have never gotten his contract. And if the Browns want to do something dumb, fine, let the Browns be morons, and and you know. But it is what it is. It's the same thing with the DeAndre Hopkins thing. It like reset the receiver market and like all these receiver right. contracts got overvalued for a couple of years because everyone was like, we got to match. We got to get close to matching uh, Hopkins contract. And uh, that's just how it goes. And it's so like, that was the, con- that was the big contract from last year, right? That was last year that they did that. So it's not like yeah. this was three years ago and people. Sure. But, but if I'm, if I'm another team, I'm going like, we're not, we would have never given him that no one else would have we're not doing it like just that's not on the table and unless someone is willing to go there which with lamar it seems like nobody's going willing to do it then lamar lamar can't create that contract out of thin air like it, it's at the end of the day a negotiation well also, and he's gonna yeah. have to take the best possible offer and i don't think the best possible offer is gonna be like it's gonna look a lot more like kyler murray's contract than it is uh Deshaun Watson's and Lamar's going to have to decide if that's good enough. And I think Lamar, I mean, Lamar's cost himself money because if he had just signed a monster deal after last year in a more traditional sense, um, I think he's, he's probably in a much better place now, but like you said, there's not an agent there. And I, I I did this uh, a longer on the show yesterday, so I'm not going to repeat myself in full here, but like not only is the or the conversation between the team and Lamar tricky, Lamar doesn't have a sense of his market. An agent would. And so Lamar's probably thinking, if I can just get to this even restricted free agency, I'm going to get a monster deal. And an agent might have been able to tell him, like, nah, man, it's not going to get any better. Like, it it, teams are not going to give up to first and pay you what you want. It's not happening. Sign the deal. This is as good as you're going to get. And I I think that Lamar has cost himself a lot of money in that way. No, I agree. I think I think that's one of the reasons like everyone says I don't need to pay an agent. I don't need an agent. But it, it's helpful because you're not an expert in contract negotiations. You're not an expert in legal language. You're not an expert in contract precedent from around the league. You don't have the relationships with the coaches. And one of the things that I think is important to note is that coaches can be more coaches, GMs, contract negotiators for the team can be a little bit more candid with an agent as opposed to a player. Right. They right. kind of got to sugarcoat it because you still want the relationship to be good. The agent is a good buffer for that stuff. Like, oh, you know, like I remember having con- like my agent telling me like, you know, they're not that high on you because of X, Y, Z. He's not telling me exactly what they said because it's probably like we think Logan sucks and that's going to make me really upset. But he kind of he right. sugarcoats the whole thing and it's like, it makes it keeps the relationship more amicable. You don't have that person in the contract, right? You don't have the person that helps that kind of lubricates the communication you don't have you don't have the person that says hey lamar bro like i've talked to five teams around the nfl talked to 10 teams around the nfl it's not there right now like what baltimore's offering you is the best case scenario and so that it's just going to make this whole process a little bit more gummy i think he should have hired an agent for this um you know even it's just helpful when you're dealing with numbers like this when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar organizations like you are not equipped 
I don't care how smart you are to deal with that. If I'm like, for me, I could have done it myself because I'm signing a, a veteran minimum contract. It's literally like a boiler Templar plate. Just they print it out of the computer. It's in a freaking doc titled veteran minimum. It just comes out. It's the same language everywhere you go, right? That's easy. Right. Just review it. Make sure the language is what I want. Sign it. Bam. Right. You didn't, you didn't need to pay Steve his percent. Correct. Right. Steve did a great job of getting me with teams that were interested. So that's why I pay Steve his percent. But for him, there's, there's going to, this contract's going to be nuts, right? It's going to be nuts to read, guaranteed language, wording, all that kind of stuff. And he's going to have to deal with all that. And I just think it's, I think that's a short sight, short sighted uh, approach by him to kind of say, I need that 3% because it's going to make me more financially solvent or whatever. But really, right. this is an investment in making sure this is the best contract for you. Well, not only that, you have the ability to go back at the team a little bit. Like if yeah. Lamar's like, well, you guys, the reason I haven't done X, Y, Z is because you didn't do ABC. Well, now, now you got two direct sides sniping at each yeah. other versus the agent being like, well, if you draft a bleeping receiver every once in a yeah. while, or like give us, give our guys some help, not trade away as number one receiver, then maybe he would have produced a little bit more in the passing game. Like you can't, you can't do that. If you're Lamar, it sounds like sour grapes. If you're his agent, like that's literally your job. There's yeah. an expectation thing to be there. like um, a sniper, like to be like a, just taking shots. And that's what, yeah, like, totally. I love my agent. Like he's the best. And that's what he's really good at is like, he builds, he cultivates a, like a research packet, even for me, he cultivates a research packet, statistics, analysis, you know, opportunities, all that kind of thing. And he presents that to the team. So you have a better point of negotiation as opposed to just saying, I'm not sure Lamar's doing this, but I would assume just knowing players who've negotiated their contracts in the past, like I want to be paid the same as person, but the situation is completely different. And you don't have the, the, the thousand foot view to kind of fully understand that in your position as a professional athlete, you're not a professional agent. Right. Totally. Uh, other news from yesterday, Daniel Jones gets, uh, Four years, one sixty is the the headline. Um, Eighty two million in guarantees. Uh, it's kind of a two year deal uh, with obviously options to go in years three and four. Uh, and then Saquon gets the tag right after that from the Giants. Uh, what did you make of the move for New York and and how it sets them up against the Commanders in the division? So I think like obviously they were going to make a big effort to resign him. I think the contract, just looking at it real quick, seems to be the right type of fit for what they wanted. Cause if you look at the guaranteed money over the four years, um, it's really like 20 million a year, which is, and obviously there's some incentives in there. I'm sure that kind of bump up that number, but that's an excellent number for, for them. I think, you know, and obviously you see the 160, but the team doesn't look at it that way. I don't think like those back end numbers, that's funny money. They can renegotiate, they can push that out. They can shift some to guarantees. Like that gives them some cap flexibility like you were discussing. But I think, it seems based on the guaranteed money, like a, a good deal for them. And it gives them some flexibility with the roster to bring new people. in. I think it gives them also some flexibility to kind of say, you know, we think that, um, you know, we know you did well for us last year, but we also understand that you're not, you're not a market setting quarterback. So again, I think that's all kind of the right thing. Did they overpay? Maybe. But I think when you're, when you had to extend a guy, like this is probably best case scenario for both sides. And like I said, the money's the, the guaranteed money isn't exorbitant. So it allows you to do some roster building stuff, which that team needs to do. Yeah. I, I think Daniel Jones's best days are ahead too. Yeah. Like, I agree. You watch the growth he makes last year under Dable and you're like, well, probably, probably do that again. Right. Uh, not necessarily make a gigantic leap at times two, but 
he's going to continue to get better. They understand how to use him. They understand what they want to do with him. And they're, they, they did it last year with um, some guys that probably were better than we initially thought in terms of skill positions, mm-hmm. um, some of the receivers, et cetera. But also, they didn't really invest in, in those skill position guys. So what happens when they do? Uh, and obviously, getting keeping Saquon around is, is huge for them. And as they continue to develop him and diversify his how they use him, try to keep him healthy over a long term, you know, getting him out of the backfield a little bit more. Uh, things like that. So there's there's a lot of, I think, positive here for New York. And like you said, also, the way the contract is structured, they're able to keep the number down from what I understand. They, we don't have all the details yet, right. but it sounds like it's going to be closer to like 25, I think, in the first year. Yeah. Um, there's 25 guaranteed at signing. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to translate um, into the final cap hit for the first year. But like they don't have a lot of cap space uh, if they pay him 40. They're not going to pay him 40. They'll bump a bunch of that to the second year. Um, some of that will be dead money's and dead money in years three or four if he doesn't get there. But he probably you you have to imagine would be around. But I also think like the alternative. What's the alternative? Is right. you start over, and yeah. that's that's just not tenable for what New York has. What they do, it is just not the smart move for them at this time. So, um, I, in a in a division in a in a conference where there's just not a lot of good quarterback play, and you know there's a lot of opportunities. Dallas might be worse this year depending on what happens with some of their guys. Uh, Philly's definitely going to be worse. They're still probably the best team in the conference, and certainly the, they've got the best quarterback in the conference. But like they're going to lose James Bradbury. They're going to lose Brandon Graham. They're going to lose some of these really key guys uh, to their success. They're going to lose one of their offensive linemen. How do they ultimately compete if you're in New York? Like You make some, some nice incremental progress, try to ride the continuity train, and while everyone else is getting a little bit worse, you get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that New York sets up to – be fighting for a playoff spot again and, and potentially dangerous when they get there. Sure. No, I agree. I think, I think they had to do this. I think the, the day ball edition uh, spoke very well to what Daniel Jones does. They were able to elevate him, especially Kafka. I think he deserves a lot of credit as well. And so they're not making this decision in a vacuum. I think they're with him every day. They know what he can do. They know his potential upside. And like you said, like they, they need a quarterback. And I, what did, uh, what was Derek Carr signing? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, his was 150 total. Let me see if I can pull the actual, but um, so I guess what I'm saying is just like, it it seems like the right thing. A young quarterback knows your system competitive, had an excellent year last year. Seems like the right move, you know, kind of a piece to build around, especially in a, in in a division, in a conference that isn't very quarterback heavy. So, yeah. Uh, car four for 150. So Jones winds up getting more, um, it's crazy. The base salary uh, in year one is just seven point two. Or sorry, the cap hit is seven point two, uh, one point five base, and then the signing bonus of, of five point seven uh, prorated. Uh, so it's it's like a twenty. It's it's a thirty five million dollar uh, signing bonus. Or sorry, twenty eight five signing bonus mm-hmm. um, that gets prorated out over the five years of the deal. Um, but it's just, cards is essentially a three year deal, um, hundred million they could get out for like 11, 11.4 in dead cap uh, after 2025 if they want to. So I'm assuming Jones looks very similar. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, cars was five total Jones is four. So maybe that, that out point will be like, I'd imagine his cap hit next year is going to be astronomical. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, it goes. Uh, but the other thing too, is like the cap's going to jump. 
Yeah. And so, no, you know, the cap's the cap's going to jump over the course of that contract. And, and I think this is the important thing to remember with Jones, with Lamar, with Carr, with all these guys to kind of wrap up what we're doing here. In two to five years, there's going to be a quarterback making 60 a year. Like we got some guys making 50. And, you know, by the time I, my guess is it's Lawrence is the guy who winds up crossing that threshold. Mm. Um, Trevor Lawrence in three years when he signs his extension or two years when he signs his extension uh, is going to be a $60 million a year quarterback. Mm. And at that point, if Daniel Jones is 40, that seems about right. Mm. Like it, we just, we have to adjust our brains to what the new numbers are. Mm -hmm. And this happens in every sport. You know, it happens in Major League Baseball. We were like, that's some random right fielder. Why is he making 20 million a year? Or, you know, in the NBA, what used to be an $18 million player was like one of the better players in the league. Now it's mm -hmm. like a seventh man. Yeah. Um, you know, and the same is true for positions across the NFL where, you know, when, when Kirk was negotiating on the franchise tag stuff in 2016, it was like $18 million was the tag. Now mm -hmm. the tag for Lamar, if they wanted to do the exclusive, was 45. Like, it's just a different price tag, and we have to adjust our brains on, like, what is a $40 million quarterback? The answer is Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of crazy. And I think we also struggled with that with Derek or with Carson last year. Like, what is a $28 million quarterback? So what Carson went should have been. But, yeah. uh, you know, but, I'm, but I mean, I think, was like, again, that's one of the not. reasons I go back to, like, why like I said the process is good, and I still agree with that. Like, you got a quarterback in here who was starter potential at a price point that's $12 sure. million dollars lower than a starter. It's that you're right. We need to adjust our perspective. And I think um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving the commanders too much credit, but maybe they were like a year ahead on some of this stuff. Seems. Yeah. They just, messed, they picked the wrong guy. The evaluation yeah. was off. And by the way, they didn't, they didn't do the things they needed to do to support him. They yeah. often the schematically, they did not do what they needed to do to give him a, snowball's chance in hell of at success right. uh, if there was one to be had in the first place with where kind of he is at this point in his career let tend dental make your dream smile a reality we offer a variety of top rated treatments including invisalign aligners and for a limited time tend is offering 750 dollars off orthodontic treatments Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching 
or listening right now. All right, Logan, let's empty the notebook from the rest of the combine. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, real quick, we got into this a little deeper yesterday or last episode than, than I anticipated. So we don't need to go too far in. Sure. But four quarterbacks are going to go top 10. I feel very, very comfortable saying that right Seems now. Like it, yeah. Do you think there's anybody else that goes in the first round? And, and kind of what else do you have notes-wise from the rest of the quarterback class? Yeah, I mean, I don't think any other quarterback goes in the first round. I think a guy to keep an eye on is Tanner McKee from Stanford. Mm -hmm. He had a nice day throwing the football. His tape's pretty good. You know, obviously that offense in Stanford is not dynamic. It's very kind of one note. But he's got a big arm. He's got some tools and some traits you can build around. And you know, his he, quarterback coach uh, is now now the quarterback coach here. By the way, is his old OC at Stanford. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I and I know, um, you know, there's there's some positive vibes about him, you know, at the building, and, and you know, I'm sure there's a positive vibes around a lot of players right now. Like it doesn't yeah. mean they're going to go pick him up, but right. um, you know, he's, he's he's not coming here. But he's he's a guy with some traits, some ability, and. I could see him, you know, like if he slips to the third round, maybe you take a flyer on him and he's your backup guy for this year. Who sure. knows? But I'm not saying like they're like that's the, the problem with this quarterback class is it's like those those four guys, McKee, the kid from Purdue, um, uh, Aiden O'Connell. And then it's like you lose you start losing traits. You start losing you get into like that Taylor Heineke territory where like Max Duggan from TCU is a good mover. He's a good athlete. He's a good college quarterback, but he doesn't have the arm talent necessarily to play at the NFL level. Right. And maybe you put the kid from Georgia in that second quarterback bucket. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Stetson Bennett. St yeah. Maybe he falls in there. He threw well at the combine. So there's, you know, the first four, the next three, and then it's like everybody else. And so, you know, keep an eye on those next three for Washington potentially, but it seems unlikely that they go in that direction. And it just, everybody else kind of lacks, lacks traits, which is, you know, what you're yeah. looking for in a starting caliber quarterback. Let me ask you about one more guy. Sure. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Yes. Great. Yes. Big, yes. big time traits. Um, yep. But he's also 152 years old for a draft prospect. Uh, he's he's 25. Uh, I think going on 26, if I if I'm remembering correctly, I'll, I'll double check that in a second. If Correct. you people, people, he I might think be 26. Yeah, I, he might be. I think he's going to be 26 by the draft, whether he's 25 now or 26, whatever. Point is, he's old. And right. I think people confuse yeah. like what that means. Like The reason that's a problem is when you're 26 years old, you should go and beat the tar out of college kids. Like It's just Correct. not a fair fight. You are so much more mature. You are so much more of a developed human being, physically and especially mentally, that producing, if you are good and like an actual NFL-level pro, you should, despite not having NFL resources, getting to spend NFL time, all that kind of stuff, still be exceptional at college football. And so showing that you are exceptional as a 25-year-old in college football really isn't that impressive. Um, right. Now, he's got a bunch of traits. He is impressive. He's also obviously more developed. The older you are, the less room you have between where you are and your ceiling. So there's like that lack of, lack of potential but also just evaluating the tape in production, it's not like it's a fair fight. Like I, I, I've told this story before, but not in a long time. I remember going uh, back when I worked in Lawrence, Kansas. I would go occasionally, and this was, I was fresh out of college. I was like 23 years old. But I went to the rec center and would play pickup against college kids, uh -huh. most of whom were like freshmen and sophomores. And I remember being able to just muscle them and like move them. And it's not like I'm, I, especially at that point, was a particularly big dude. I just was an adult and they were children. Right. And so, if you have that, but also access to 
you know, a college weight room and, and all those kinds of things like Hendon Hooker should have produced at a very high level at Tennessee in the same way that Setson Bennett should produce at a very high level at Georgia because they are adults playing against children. Yeah. That said, he's intriguing as a prospect. What do you make of him? Yeah, so I'm really glad you brought him up because I totally forgot about him because he didn't run at the Combine, obviously, coming off the ACL. Yes. But I do think that um, he he's like, he's definitely, he might be the first guy in that second tier. I said uh, Tanner McKee, but it might be Hooker, McKee, and then the other two guys I mentioned. And I think, again, his film's outstanding. He's got traits, and he's a guy that you could take a gamble on. Like, he's like in that Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, like uh, second, third round draft evaluation. You pick him, he sits for a year. Maybe you get a starter for two or three years. Like he does have that kind of upside. I mean, it is you are projecting, obviously, and you and he does have the limitations that you discuss. But I think you feel like, hey, you know, if we're in a bind at quarterback, like he's a guy that could come in and win some games for us potentially. And I, I've heard that he interviews very well, all those types of things. So, still, I think my points, my point holds. You've got your top four. Yeah, you got your middle four, whoever that middle four is, including Hooker now, and then everybody else. And there's not a lot of guys in that bottom group that you say oh they've got you know a nice arm they read the defense well it's it's a little bit dicey like for example at the senior bowl when i went uh, you know the the kid from fresno uh, louisville uh, byu and um there was another guy that threw there but they all looked kind of gross like i don't say gross because that's mean but they just it was hard for them to execute an, an nfl style offense and, yeah. you know, quarterbacks traditionally don't look great at the senior bowl because it's hard to play quarterback, but um, you just didn't see any of the traits. You know, the balls are floating, they're sailing, the accuracy, the ball velocity is not there. So I, I wouldn't feel great about any of those guys. But, yeah, so I think it's kind of that middle four you feel pretty good about. Um, another one just to kind of throw out there is uh, Tyson Baggett from uh, Shepard. In terms of arm talent and size, he kind of was going throw for throw with Will Levis-ish in the, you know, I think Will Levis has a better arm, but he's another guy, some traits, but you're, you're very limited. You're, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the bucket there a little in terms of guys that you think could even project to playing starting quarterback in the NFL. And I know there's been a lot of success stories, Brock Purdy, Taylor Heineke's played a lot of football, but you don't bet on those guys. And those guys are kind of later round seventh free agent type guys, in my opinion. Uh, just a clean up aisle information here. Hendon Hooker's 25. He was born on January 13th, 1998. Uh, mm. For reference, Sam Howell, 22, September 16th, 2000. Right. So just you're drafting a guy that's like basically three years older than your current starter. Correct. Two and a half years older than your yep. current starter. So there's that. All right. Uh, wide receiver is another one that's interesting. Um, and this is more of like, I'm curious where guys are going to go because it can push players up or down to Washington. Um, cause kind of where they would want to trade down to potentially is where some of these receivers, it seems like are starting to go. Yeah. There's not a Jamar chase in this draft. There's not, you know, some of these guys that have gone really, really high. I don't know if there's going to be a receiver that goes in the top 15. Quentin Johnson's probably wide receiver one. I've seen him mocked occasionally in the top 15. Um, but what do you make of this wide receiver class? And is there a need remotely for Washington to get one? Or is this a position they probably completely ignore in this draft? Yeah, I mean, I think you always want receiver depth. So I think they do kind of, <clears throat> they definitely kick the tires on some of these guys. Like a guy that stood out to me was Jake Bobo from UCLA. He's 6'5". He's got some special teams value. Um, you know, maybe he's your Cam Sims, you know, uh, AT Perry. They did just acquire Marcus Kemp, though, from, from, from Kansas City. Right, but I think you just... Again, you just want a nice competitive room. And if you're looking yeah. for traits, there's guys in this class that have traits. 
So uh, what I will say is, uh, to me, Quentin Johnson's the number one guy just because he is – he's a freak, man. He's got like 35-inch arms, 34-and-a-half-inch arms, like which is insane for a receiver. He's 6'4", and he runs routes – I hate to make this comparison, but he like throws his feet into the ground the way like a Julio Jones does. So that kind of explosive, that physicality. He doesn't catch the ball overly great, which is why he's not going to be a top-10 guy. But I do think he's better than people want to give him credit for. I think, um, you know, Max Duggan was thrown to him and they're like, oh, he wasn't productive against Georgia. And if you go watch the Georgia game, um, it's like he's open a lot. He's beaten guys, but the ball is just not there. The ball is late, whatever. So he, to me, is, is, is receiver one just because he's he's a freak. I know Francis Smith and Jigma gets a ton of hype. And at the senior at the combine, he looked great. He didn't play a lot last year because he had a hamstring injury, but he's like kind of that hyper smooth Cooper Cup, Amon Ross, St. Brown type of receiver, not overly fast, um, but really savvy route runner that in the right system could be very effective. The next guy is Mario Addison, I think. And Mario Addison um, had like a disappointing combine. So he's the Blitnikoff Award winner from Pittsburgh in 2001. And then he transferred to USC and everyone kind of said the film wasn't as good. Jordan Addison. What I say, Mario Addison. Jordan. Uh, Mario yeah, Addison. Jordan. Uh, Addison. Former former uh, Ron Rivera player. Correct. Mario yeah, Addison, Carolina uh, guy. Defensive end. Carolina. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, Jordan Addison, and um, I, I like him. I like his film a lot, but he didn't run very well. He ran like a, you know, four five six. Didn't have great explosive measurables, and so you're kind of like he's not a big man. Those are always kind of red flags with receivers, especially if that top speed number isn't where you thought it. It's not the end all be all. His film's very good, but with receivers specifically, like for example, the kid from uh, Cincinnati in this year's draft was supposed to run a four, two and he runs a four, five, six, almost It's almost a four, six. So you're like, it doesn't, something's not matching up here and right. it's a big red flag. So I would say, obviously none of those guys get a ringing endorsement. They all have kind of very specific issues and very specific fits, but that's kind of, I'd say would characterize the wide receiver class. All right. Tight end. Yeah. Um, to me, hold on. Let's, before we even get into this class, they are oddly, I don't want to say oddly satisfied at tight end. Cause I, I am with you that I like a lot of these guys yeah. in, in theory, but the Logan Thomas thing doesn't really make sense to me. Like you can save a lot of money. And I guess if you're not really going to spend a lot of money, um, then you don't need to save it. Like right. you, you're, you don't need to slash one area of your budget. If you're not going to spend that money elsewhere, but it seems like in the same way, I'm going to make a basketball analogy. So you're really going to follow along here. The Wizards traded Rui Hachimura because they needed to get more minutes from Denny for Denny Advia. There was a there was a, a, a jam at the position they needed to. And they, they liked the player that was not getting as much minutes uh, more than the guy that was. So they trade the guy uh, who's going to be a pending free agent, yada, yada, yada. There's only so many snaps to be available. They have all these young dudes. Logan Thomas started to look a little bit more like himself at the end of last year, but you can save a decent chunk of change by cutting him. I don't really get why they're keeping Logan Thomas. Good, excuse me, good locker room guy, good player. But to me, it just seems like moving on and letting these young guys go and maybe even drafting uh, one of these younger, you know, one of the tight ends and one of the deepest tight end classes. Daniel Jeremiah called it the best tight end class he's ever seen, yeah. uh, at least in the last decade. That, that that would be a smart play. It's a, a very good use of finances. It's a very deep tight end class. But, I, you know, I, I understand why you're keeping Logan Thomas. I think if you think he's got, um, you know, tread on the tire 
and you know got a new offensive coordinator who likes to use tight ends and he's experienced and he catches the football well and he was very productive two years ago i can see why you'd keep him and that happens every once in a while you've been around you know the nfl long enough greg to know that's a thing that happens um so you know you 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 we do like the upside of the young players but i also think it's nice having a kind of an experienced vet to kind of helm and direct that room for a year and if you like logan you think he's going to be productive this year maybe that young guy ascension is two years away so you know we'll yeah. see they can still cut them it's not like anything crazy yeah. is happening so. they could also very easily get through the spring see that like cole turner's made a massive leap and be like sorry logan you're going to be a post june one cut right and uh you you wind up if you do it that way you save seven million on the cap basically and you have dead cap of 1.75 the next two years right so very affordable if you do it pre-june one it's 3.5 dead cap this year, you save 5.17. Yeah. So doesn't that feel like that's probably the direction they would go, you know, post June one, if, if yeah. you're doing but, anything. I mean, you can designate him and do it now, but like it allows you to get through the spring. And if, and if for whatever reason, Logan doesn't look great um, and a Cole Turner or a Curtis Hodges or a Mario Rogers is like ready to go QB one. And, or you drafted a guy um, that turns out to be like, Whoa, we got it. We got something here. Yeah. Then you can make the decision then. And by the way, if they're still in the middle of the Duran Payne negotiations, opening up $7 million might be something that's worth worth it at that point, and they don't feel like they need it right now. Dude, 100%. I think that's exactly right. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. So you're just kind of, it's a little insurance policy. The guys don't come along. You've got some guy with an experience. You know, so I think they're probably in a good spot. And with regards to the, with the, to the tight ends in the class, it's a very, very deep tight end class. There's a lot of really good football players. So, you know, if you wanted to, you know, if people are like, are they going to draft a tight end? I don't think so. But let's say you're, you know, you're sitting there in the third round and one of these guys is staring you in the face like a really good football player. I can see them taking a flyer third, fourth, fifth round. Like that's how deep this class is. There's going to be a good football player way later in the draft. So you're we're not in the business of passing up on good football players. So if that's the yeah. best value on your board at that point, you're going to take one. And like that's what I would keep an eye on if you're a fan is it's a very deep running back class. It's also a very deep tight end class. It's a very deep edge rusher class. So as the board starts to fall, don't even though those are kind of positions of strength, quote unquote, for this team, they are going to pick one of those players because at some point a running back tight end or edge rusher are going to be the best player on their board. By the way, this is an incredible tight end name class. It's great. Name. Just based off names. Yep. Dalton Kincaid, great that name. dude's a tight end. Yep. Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta. Great names. You got Luke Schoonmaker? Are you kidding me? Schoonmaker from Michigan, yeah. Have you ever heard a better tight end name than Luke Schoonmaker? Yeah. Besides, you know, the Michigan great Jake Butts, of course. Jake Butts. Dude, they're all great names, and they're all good. And that's the crazy thing is they're all good football players, and they're all kind of high upside athletes. Like Laporta, everyone thought was going to run slow, comes around and runs like a four-five-two, and his film's yeah. excellent. So you're like, oh, well, like, he's going to be a baller. He's probably – the... yeah, go ahead. Uh, my, I was just gonna make another dumb joke. You, you please finish your point. No, it's, it's. I'm just saying, like they're, like everyone. He's like the third or fourth tight end in this class, who's got awesome film, and he's running fast. He jumped high. He catches the football well, and you're like, oh shoot. Or like the kid from uh, Cincinnati, Josh Wiley, caught the football better than any receiver at the combine. Like he was so smooth catching the football, and he's gonna be probably a fifth round selection. So it's like, you know, I remember when I was watching him, he caught the football like Travis Kelsey. Now he doesn't move like Travis Kelsey, but like Who does? that excellent, the hands, the body control. And I was like, this guy in any other year is a second round pick, but because this is such a deep class, 
he's going to be pushed down. So I think it's just a really compelling class in that way. And there's a lot of really talented football players. And these are just the guys that are at the combine. There are other guys that are, aren't even listed that are very good football players as well. Yeah. Um, Leonard Taylor sounds like he's a consultant on Capitol Hill, uh, but that, that's okay. The rest of these guys sound like tight ends. Also, shout out Ryan Miller. Uh, you don't get a lot of Furman prospects. And as someone who grew up <laughs> 30 minutes from Furman in Greenville, South Carolina, shout out to oh, him. Real, real quick, just while we're shouting yeah. somebody out, let's talk about Zach Koontz real quick from Old Dominion. Kind okay. of a local boy, right? He um, six OU eight. You in the house? Six eight. Uh, I think he was two sixty two. He ran a four five forty. He had a forty one inch vertical, and he had a, like an eleven one broad. So he just Great. tested insanely. Um, films a little up and down, but like if you're looking for a guy with like tremendous, we talked about traits at the tight end position. Doesn't yes. get much more tradey than that. So no. keep an eye on That's, that guy at some point in the draft. That is a big gigantic athletic human jumping uh, yeah yeah last last offensive position to touch on real quick and then we'll wrap with a couple of defensive looks uh running back oh it seems like they need one late in the draft um, yeah. they kind of need to replace the jd mckissick role obviously uh you know robinson's going to be their their rb1 gibson's going to be their rb2 hmm. gibson extension eligible i doubt he's going to get it um, and, and you could very easily move on from him after this year, depending on what kind of year he has and what kind of check he's going to require, but they still need a third. And I know Jarrett Patterson is someone that like excited MJD when he was on with us, but, uh, what do you think of this running back class and the ability to get someone in that third down back role late? I mean, so just to give you some context, like when you go to the combine, you watch the drills and there's the guys that stand out you say, Oh, these, you know, there's probably five or six guys in this group that are excellent. The running backs got up there, and I'm not even kidding. For the first, like, six, seven drills, there was not a drop ball. No one missed a cut. No one fell down. No one did everything. Everyone looked excellent. So 20 guys deep, and I was like, they all look fantastic. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm just being biased. It's the last day of the combine. I talked to a couple coaches that were still around, a couple scouts, and the first thing they say was, could you believe that running back group? So the point being – is that there are a lot of good running backs. Now, Washington is looking for a very specific type of running back, a kind of a pass-catching third-down guy. So a guy like the uh, A-Chain from Texas A&M who ran the fastest 40 for the running backs is an interesting opportunity. I think he's probably gone in the third round. Like, that's where good running back value is. Um, you know, Gray from Oklahoma catches the football very well. Uh, like, there's just so many guys. Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, he's a small guy, but hyper-quick kind of choice runner, Darren Sproles. He's like 5'6". Yeah. What is it with the 5'6 dudes from K-State? I don't know. They just take flyers on but He's a heck of a football player. Um, and so, like, there's three dudes right there that are, like, in a class full of guys that are really good. Keaton Mitchell from uh, ECU is, I think he had the fastest GPS time of any running back in college football last year, and he's, like, a big play waiting to happen. He ran a 4-3-7 at the Combine. So... Like they're just name like there. If you want a running back, there will be one available. It's just kind of what you like. Like Evan Hull from Northwestern had the crate one of the craziest combine performances I've seen. Not because of the testing, because in the drill work, every time he touched the football, he would sprint eighty yards for a touchdown. He would literally catch the ball and run eighty yards to a touchdown, like an absolute psycho. And like so, like I could just go through every one of these guys and be like, they'll probably be on an NFL team next year. Chase Brown, his brother, his twin brother, Sidney Brown from Illinois, he caught the football well. He ran well. He's physical. He's like that bodybuilder style. Zach Corbinet from UCLA, he's 6'2", 225, catches Ooh. the football, excellent. 
he kind of has this like elite vision and you're just like, man, like anybody, like just go down the list. I'm just reading down the list and everyone's like, awesome. I haven't even talked about the two best guys. So it's a fantastic class. You can find somebody kind of wherever. And um, so don't, don't get locked in on anybody. Oh, we didn't take HA. We didn't take, um, you know, Keith Mitchell. We didn't take Eric Gray. There's like a thousand good running backs and probably the best running, like route running guy, not named uh, Gibbs or what's the Gibbs from Alabama's name. I'm messing up. Yeah. Gibbs. Gibbs. Um, is the kid from Tulsa who was absolutely murdering the senior bowl. Um, so there's just so many good backs in this class. There's like six, seven guys right there. So, you know, Washington fans, like they will probably pick one. It probably someone you never heard of and they're probably a good player. So, yeah, which is, which is nice. Uh, getting kick return, punt return could also be yeah. helpful out of that position. Um, something else to keep an eye on sure. for some other, Tajay some Spears. Other sorry, that well. was his name. Tajay Spears. There we go. Found it. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. All right, let's wrap up with some defensive yeah. guys. Uh, that's Logan Paulson, of course. I'm Craig Hoffman. If you want more from Logan, at Logan underscore Paulson82 on Instagram. You can hit me on Twitter, at Craig Hoffman or at Hoffman Show. All right, let's get into some defensive guys. I really just want to focus in on two positions because we did the uh, DBs. We did the DBs yesterday. Uh, edge guys. Yeah, not a position of need, but a very important position to watch for Washington yeah. uh, because it's a premier position. It could knock guys that they need down to 16 potentially. What do you see out of this position where it's considered one of the best, you know, best groups that we've had in a while? It's just again, it's very deep and it's kind of like depending on what you're looking for. Like you could probably find a guy like so everyone's talking about uh, at a war at a at a bar way. Excuse me. Jeez, from Northwestern who kind of broke the combine. You, you know, he ran a. Four four nine at two hundred eighty pounds. He jumped great. His drill work looked so clean. His footwork was great. I was kind of hoping he'd slide to like the middle of the second, maybe be there and play at forty eight for Washington. But after that, no chance in hell. So he's uh, you know he's an excellent football player. I think a guy like uh, Yaya Dibi from Louisville, his film's okay, but he kind of tested so well. He was like a poor man's 
out of Barrier. You know what I mean? He was like kind of in that same big. He's 275. He's 6'4. I think he ran a 452. You know, like inside, outside pass rush ability, violent hands, a guy that's going to slide a little bit because his film's not, it's fine, but it's not elite. So I think there's just like, I mean, name a guy. Like there's a lot of good guys. The kid from San Jose State, um, Foyoko, I think it's his name. He's got heavy hands, inside, outside pass rush ability. He'll be available later in the draft. Like, it just depends on what you're looking for. Like, Nick Hampton's a pass rush specialist. Is that what you want with some special teams upside? He's a smaller guy, really twitchy, very violent to contact. He has, like, tremendous power for being a smaller guy. Is he a guy you bring in on third down and say, hey, Chase, bump into three technique or, or whatever? Like, there's just – you can find somebody – what is Washington looking for specifically? I think they're looking for like a bigger inside outside guy, but maybe they're looking for like a guy who's just got juice and everyone's going to say, Oh, what about Will McDonald? The fourth, I hate to break it to you. He's probably going to go in the first round. So, you know, you're looking for someone later, probably one of these other names that you don't not super familiar with, but there's a lot of good rushers. There's a lot of kind of different stylistic guys. And it's just about saying, this is who we're going to find. This is our fit. And I think there's just a lot of opportunity for guys like that. Yeah, I think some people might try to get ahead of themselves and say, well, they need to find uh, they need to find the replacement for Chase or Montez because they can't, if they're going to sign Duran, they can't possibly uh, keep all of them. And that's true. Right. But you don't need to find that guy now. Right. And in fact, there's a little bit of an advantage of doing it next year because, yes, that guy is going to have to start as a rookie, but he was a first rounder. Um, then then, OK, that's that's what you do. And you can keep the clock like pushed out on paying him and have the money because like the, the rookie contracts escalate, not by a ton, mm-hmm. um, but the lower the number, obviously, the better. Um, so that that to me is like where where they are edge. If they can pick up that rotation piece, great. They can probably do some of that in free agency potentially as well, including potentially re-signing FA Obama yep. in terms of the inside outside piece. Um, and then t- in terms of finding the, the, the Shaka Tony, if you will, the end of rotation guy, yeah. who's got a little bit of juice, um, obviously Shaka hasn't exactly, uh, produced a ton in the NFL. Uh, but if they find a guy like that, um, late in the draft, great. The one position that is perhaps more of a need for them, depending on what they do with Cole Holcomb is linebacker. Now they probably need depth there anyway. I know they liked guys like Dejon Harris and they obviously elevated him towards the end of last year. And, mm-hmm. and some of those guys played well in their limited roles. Uh, they signed re-signed Mayo. So they've got him as a depth piece, but what do you make of this linebacker class and where it could fit on the hierarchy of needs for the commanders? Uh, I think the linebacker, they'll probably draft somebody. And it's kind of a up and down linebacker group, I think. Um, and that's kind of interesting. I think, you know, like the guy that I like the best is Jack Campbell from Iowa. He's got a little bit of, um, he's 6'5", 246 pounds. So a little bit of a traditional kind Jeez, of knock you, in, big man. knock you in the face linebacker. But he plays with kind of Keekly-esque instincts. You know, he's reading the screens. He's calling the defense. And I think he would be just an excellent kind of piece to complement uh, you know, Jamin, I think he just is kind of this big, smart, he tested way better than he thought. I think the testing numbers are going to push him up and I, as a result, kind of push him out of Washington's price range. Um, you know, uh, Henley from Washington state is a converted receiver to linebacker whose film is incredible to watch. He tested well. Um, the kid from uh, Duke, 
Shaka Hayward, he reminds me like a one-to-one of Jamin, like, and they tested about the same. So if you have a style, a long-armed kind of smarter verse, like a more polished version of Jamin, like he'll be available probably in the fifth, sixth round. So I do think it's someone they're going to target. I just think it's not like the running back class. It's not like the tight end class. It's not like the D line class where it's very deep kind of throughout. It's like, there are a couple names on this list where I'm like, target this guy, you know, like you need to kind of be specific here and kind of hone in on a skill set. Um, Dorian Williams from uh, Tulane again, tested very high. 34 and a half inch arms, long arms for a guy. They kind of like that in their linebackers, really snappy and twitchy, a little bit of a project, but again, in the fifth, sixth round, like maybe even the fourth round, that's excellent depth for this team. So um, those are some names to kind of keep an eye on. But again, it's not, it's not like, Hey, throw a stone. You're going to hit a good one. It's like, you really got to trust your evaluation here and make sure that it's fitting your vision for the team. Definitely. Uh, All due respect to the specialists, we We're not going to talk about the specialists. Uh, they're, they're, the Washington is set. Uh, they've got their guys. They used a draft pick, a kind of absurdly high one on Cameron Cheeseman a couple years ago. Dressway's as good as it gets. Uh, Feel pretty good about that set. evaluation, huh? Good job, Joey Sly. So uh, <laughs> that pretty much that pretty much covers it. We got all the O line yesterday. We got uh, quarterback. We got edge. Yep. We check, 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 check all them boxes. And if you guys, uh, if you guys want us to cover someone we didn't talk about. Just leave a comment. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a five minute, 10 minute segment at the ne- end of the next episode or something. Yeah, actually, that would be great if there's any specific prospects, because like I've gotten questions, for instance, over the last couple of days of like, OK, let's say Gonzalez or not Gonzalez. If, if Gonzalez goes high and Witherspoon or Joey Porter Jr. is on the board, like who fits Washington's scheme better? So like questions like that, I think are really sure. great and can be very insightful. And we can certainly do those amongst ourselves. We'll also try to get some of our draft buddies on. Um, but the biggest thing we got moving forward is free agency as yeah. well. So definitely uh, we'll try to check in on some of the free agent news uh, as that comes. Obviously still waiting on the sale. I'm sure that that will make its way into the podcast as that happens as well. So lots happening uh, to talk about, even though it is the middle of March. By the way, when the hell did it become the middle of March? I know. It's a trip. What are we doing? All right. Uh, what, what we're doing? We're ending the podcast. Uh, if, if you like what you heard and you're not subscribed, go ahead. Do that right now. Click follow on Spotify. Uh, subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you're checking out Logan's work as well. Logan underscore Paulson82 on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, starting to post a little bit more stuff there as well. Craig underscore Hoffman. All right. That's it. That's all. That's the podcast. See you next week on Take Me.